What do we do after God has... Oh, Dale's hooking us up here. Okay. <laughs> I guess I better move over to where the camera is. Can you move the camera a little bit, Dale? Okay. Well, let me pray over our offering, okay? Lord God, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness to meet our needs. and I thank you, Lord, that in this last two months that that you have brought in everything we needed, that we were able to, to be a blessing and, and to give an offering to uh, a decent offering to Paul and Richard for coming out here. Richard with his family of six kids and his wife and Paul with his friend uh, um, Pastor Fox, Pastor Kevin Fox. And we just thank you for them and the ministry. You poured into us so powerfully through all three of these men and, and we just bless them and thank you for them. And, we ask that you would just walk with us today as we talk about where we, how we're growing forward in these things. And we just ask now that you bless the offering that was, that's being given. And we just thank you for your faithfulness to meet our needs, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, a couple things. Uh, Jeff, I mean, Kevin Fox, who was the uh, third pastor, was here with us last, this last weekend and um, ministered to so many of you personally through prophetic words and prayer, uh, he is going. He's now the new pastor in Shadron, at the church in Shadron, and uh, he's going to be coming and visiting us and ministering periodically throughout the, the months ahead. And so you'll see more of Pastor Kevin. So he and I are friends and uh, really enjoying. Uh, just I'm enjoying getting to know him better. And uh, if you receive the prophetic word from him, and you have questions about how do I respond to this, how do I incorporate this in my life, I encourage you to talk to uh, one of our leaders about that, talk to me or whoever, because we will be, uh, um, it's really important that we learn how to walk with the God, with God in partnering to see the things that God speaks over our lives come to pass, okay? You can get a prophecy and then do absolutely nothing to engage with it and partner with God in that journey of walking that out. And it will not come to pass in your life. There are words that are, most words are conditional. They require us to walk with the Lord to see it happen. So on the other end, you can't make your prophecy happen in your own time frame and the way you think it should happen either by just trying to make it happen. You know, I had received a prophetic word, um, about eight prophetic words, in about a 15, 20-year period, that I would be moving in apostolic ministry. Apostolic in the sense is it's a beyond pastoral ministry in local church. And I thought, how is that ever going to happen? I'm called to be a local church pastor. Well, in January, the district called me and said, we want you to be the, region, or the uh, sectional presbyter for the Panhandle area and over 10 churches. And so I went, oh, I think that's God. And so now I'm a sectional presbyter of over 10 churches, and it's like God made it happen. I didn't make it happen. He was just faithful, and I love to minister to pastors, so it just has been awesome. I enjoy being able to serve them. Um, before I go into my message, I want to just, uh, it's going to be brief, so it's going to work, okay? I'm not going to keep you late today. But I wanted to read a couple verses, this being the Day of Atonement, the Yom, Yom Kippur, which means the day of the covering or the cleansing of God for the sins in our lives. 
every feast in the Old Testament that the Jews uh, were commanded to, to, on, to celebrate and remember, every one of those is being fulfilled or has been fulfilled in the New Testament by Jesus. So I want to just read a couple passages of Scripture that explain that this day of, this day of atonement that starts to this evening, like the, when sunset starts and goes through tomorrow evening sunset, that this has been literally fulfilled by Jesus. And uh, if you want to jot these down, Hebrews 9, verses 24 through about 27, we read this. And this is from a, uh, a Jerusalem Bible, I believe. For Messiah has entered not into holy places made with hands, you know, the physical tabernacle, which are copies of the true or the real things, but into heaven itself. Jesus entered into heaven, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest, the Jewish high priest, enters the holy place every year with blood not of his own. For then, he would, for then Jesus would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. I like that once and for all. Jesus only had to die once to pay for all our sins for the rest of eternity and to go back and pay for all those that put faith in God in history. All of our sins have been covered by the Lamb, because we read in Second in Revelation, I think it means Second Peter too, that He was the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And how do you work that out? Because in history, He only appeared a little over two thousand years ago. But in God's sense of reality, in God's sense of time, Jesus was slain. He was the Lamb that was slain before the earth was ever created. It's one of the things about being limited to time that we can't fathom that kind of a thing. But that's what God says is true. That our sins have been covered by Jesus and that He actually gave Himself as a sacrifice in eternity. The only way I can figure it out is that God, Jesus has always been sacrificing Himself for, for His creation. And He always will be. That's just who He is, He continually gives Himself. But He only had to die on earth in time and history one time. And if you don't fully understand that, comprehend it, neither do I. So be, be happy. Um, let me finish here. So the Messiah, Jesus, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. How many of you know He's coming again the second time? Not to deal with sin. He's done dealing with sin. The sacrifice is made. But to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. To save those. He's coming back again to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians that we have not been appointed to wrath. And when God comes to bring judgment to the unbelieving, 
rejecting world, there will be wrath expressed by God on this earth. But we, His children, we, His bride, will not experience that wrath. And I believe that's going to be because God is going to catch us up, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, catch us up to be with Him before that chapter takes place on the earth. Now I know that there are different beliefs of when that rapture is going to happen, whether it's before the tribulation, during the tribulation, or at the end and after the tribulation. And that's a topic that I love to talk about. Jay loves to talk about it. Some of you others enjoy talking about that. And at some point, we'll probably talk some more about that. And uh, I'll be glad to explain why I believe it's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. So that's my personal conviction. And I've been all over the map over the years, too. So. Then I want to read one other final scripture. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever those who are sanctified or set apart for Him by His one offering. So, take some time this evening and thank God for the Day of Atonement, not just the Jewish feast of it, but the day that Jesus gave His life to be an atonement, a covering for your sin and my sin. It's an amazing gift of God. Let's take a quick look at here because... I, felt, I, was, I was going, God, why didn't you give me a whole message? Why did you give me just a short message today? Now I know why, right? Because we had the Holy Spirit move in our midst, and it took some extra time. It was wonderful. I just want to thank Dwaniqua for her sensitivity and, and singing in the Spirit, and Jaslyn, and just ministering, and Francisco, and our worship team are such a blessing. And I just see their heart for God just growing and increasing. It's such a wonderful thing to be a part of. So what do we do after we've had God pour into us, God bring healing to many, God have prophetic words for many, God um, um, speaking to us in a lot of different ways and teaching us. How many of you this morning are here, and I know there are some that wanted to share testimony that couldn't be here, how many of you were prayed for sometime over the last weekend by our special guests? Raise your hands if you got ministered to personally. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And how many of you uh, got a word from the Lord, a prophetic word from the Lord? Some say, I know you did. Jennifer did. Guys did. Good, good. And so if you didn't this morning, I want you to know that if you desire to hear the Lord and to receive a word from the Lord, a personal message from God, ask the Lord. He is not stingy. We read in Psalm 19 that He's always speaking. He's always speaking. It's, it's a matter of getting alone and tuning into God and asking Him to speak to you. And, and God can speak to you. In fact, if you don't feel like you hear God, and I've met many people, including one of my sons at different times, who said, my son came to me and said, Dad, I really want to hear God's voice, but I don't hear God speak at all. How do I hear God speak? And that's a really, really, really important question. And, and there's a lot of very good reasons why you may not be hearing or thinking you're hearing. 
And I'd love to, to talk to you about that. If you specifically have that question, come and talk to me because I can maybe help you tune in and hear what God is saying. But when God does speak, and if He hasn't spoken to you at some point, if you're seeking Him, He will. What do you do with that? And I just want to read a few things because the worst thing you can do is to not do anything. To just go on living your life and being busy and, uh, and not moving ahead and not doing something with what God has done in your life. Jesus said that it's what we do that indicates our obedience and indicates that we are a disciple of Jesus. And some of you that were here remember that Paul and Richard taught that there are three aspects to being a disciple of Jesus. One is that you make Jesus your, your Lord. You come into a relationship with Him. A second thing is that you learn from Him. And the third thing, and that's ongoing, a, a disciple's always learning. And the third thing is, is that you do the things that your, that your master does. It teaches you. The things that he does and you, does to you, teaches you, you put into practice. So I want to read a couple things that talk about that. Matthew 7, verse 21, and this is a, you know, this is kind of a hard scripture. Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. He's talking about the difference between having a good talk and having a real walk. How many of us men can relate to me and say that you have made promises to your wife that you have made over and over and over again, but you've also not kept them very good sometimes and, and failed to keep those promises. And your wife at some point has said to you, Honey, I love you and I appreciate what you say, but I really look at what you do to know what you really believe. Any of you men ever? I'm not the only one. I am so encouraged. My wife will say to me, honey, it's what you do that I look at. It's not your words, not your promises. And I am a talker. You guys know that. It's easy for me to say all the stuff that she wants to hear. But it's the doing that indicates whether my heart has changed. And that's the way it is between us and the Lord. And Jesus says to us, I don't, you know, it's important what you say and what you confess but he's looking for action. And here he says, there's going to be a day, and, and, and the previous verses indicate that he's talking to Pentecostal Christians here. Because he says, on that day, many will prophesy in my name. Many will cast out demons in my name. But I'm going to say to them, or they're going to, they said, Lord, Lord, that's his verse says, but I'm going to say to them, go away, you who commit lawlessness. Lawlessness means you're a law unto yourself. In other words, you're the one who's in charge of you and nobody else can tell you what to do. Jesus is saying, get away from me. I never knew you. That means I never knew you in an intimate, personal way. You see, those that come into the kingdom of God that will be saved are not those that are good, they are those 
to have a personal relationship with the Master. And it doesn't matter how many times they fall down and fail, if they continue to get up and continue to walk in God's forgiveness, they will cross the finish line. I was called recently to a home of somebody I've never met before, who is uh, the, the father who is dying of liver and kidney failure and was completely yellow. And the family had heard of me and that I was a pastor here. And he had attended here once years ago or a number of times years before. And so he had asked them to have the pastor come. At this point, he couldn't even talk. He was basically in a kind of a coma and uh, was going to pass shortly if he hasn't, hadn't already passed. And so I went and, and I found out that this man had loved Jesus. And he loved to worship. He shared Jesus with all his family, but he struggled with alcohol. And he would get up and, and, and go for a while, and then he would struggle and fall down. And then he'd get up and go, and he'd fall down. And um, eventually the alcohol caught up with him, with his body, and, and he's, he, he, he's finished him off. So what's going to happen when he dies and goes before the Lord? Where is his hope? Is it in his ability to obey? No, it's in his relationship with Jesus. He put his trust in Jesus and the blood of Jesus for his forgiveness. And just because you fall down and get up and fall down and get up, God will continue to work with us. And that's a good reason for us to cry out and build relationships in the body of Christ so there are others that can walk with us so we can learn how to fall, not fall down as much and not have to get up as much. We can learn to overcome. And that's, that's possible too with the Lord. But what I'm saying is that God is not looking just for people to say, I follow Jesus. You're my Lord, Jesus. But people that actually do come after Him, put Him first in their lives. And after this last weekend, many of us received words from God and that we need to now pray over and begin to ask the Lord, how do I walk this out? How do I partner with you in that? And God wants to help us do that. There were some that were prayed for healing. Are there any in this room this, this morning that received physical healing? Okay. So just like the man that Jesus healed over time and that had, was blind, we're praying for you to be completely healed over time. And so, so just as just an example, Des received healing, but she's not completely healed, so she's partnering and walking with the Lord in to see that fully healed because she could just give up and reject what had happened and just say it's not going to be, God doesn't love me, or whatever, and, and, and lose what she had. But because she's seeking the Lord, and engaging with him and moving ahead, she's doing the word. She's walking with the Lord. And I believe she's going to see continued healing in her life as she goes forward with him. Um, next verse, Matthew 25, 40, and I'm almost done. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you were 
doing it to me. So not only do we have a doing to do as far as responding to the things God is speaking to us in our lives, whether prophetically or through His Word, the Scripture, but we also have a doing that God is calling us to do in the area of showing compassion and mercy to those around us, particularly the least of our brothers and sisters. You guys recognize and realize that Jesus demonstrated that, and, and this is the, actually the next scripture, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed, oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So there's a doing in the sense of walking with the Lord regarding the things He's speaking to us as a disciple. There's a doing in the sense of, of being responsible to love the people that God places in our lives. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our family. And how many of you know that some of those are difficult to love at times? And usually the people that are the least of these are not easy to love as far as in the sense of being comfortable, comfortable for us. And, and I just want to encourage you, when you leave this room today, ask the Lord, Lord, show me the least of these in my life, in my town. Show me how I can extend your compassion and love to the people you bring into my life. Um, Brooke and I met a lady who um, has a lot of health issues and just through some circumstances, and the Lord impressed on us. She has a need, and, and she was unable to take care of some things in her home. So Brooke said to me, why don't we go over and help her? And I said, let's do it. So we went over and worked on her house a little bit. So that's just a small example, but I know that God brings people to you, and I pray that you will respond and follow Jesus in this area of showing compassion to the people that are needy in your life. Now, does that mean you let people take advantage of you all the time? No. And there are times to say no. But a lot of times, God wants us to demonstrate and maybe be taken advantage of a little bit. So, in James 2, 14 and 17, he elaborates on this a little bit. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters... If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? No. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And in our community, many people now live behind fences, right? We have fences to protect us and keep us from the neighbors. But God is calling us when we do see people in our lives, especially brothers and sisters mentioned here, that we have a heart of compassion and not just wish them well, but actually help them. So I encourage you, if you are interested in helping people, talk to Jennifer, talk to me, talk to Brooke, because we have lots of opportunities that come by that we would love 
to have, give you opportunity to help us help others. And then, just about done, Acts, or John chapter 14, another area in which we can ask God to help us respond by doing is, in, is doing the things that Jesus did in the supernatural. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. How many for you, that's a challenging scripture? Boy, that's a challenging scripture for me. I hope that you would say, yeah. Um, let's not even look at the greater things. Let's just say, Jesus said I should be doing the things he did. Um, but I encourage you, ask God. There are people, we heard Paul's testimony last week. He went from being a pew sitter to having a personal revival, and now he's prayed and seen thousands of people healed because he prays for everybody that God puts in his path that's ill. When he goes into a store and he sees somebody with a cast on or on crutches or a wheelchair, he says, can I pray for you? What's wrong? And he prays for people. He, he said, it was very interesting, he said, the more people you pray for, the more people will get healed. Does that make sense? If you don't pray for anybody, how many people are going to get healed? Right. So I encourage you guys in that area. And you may say, well, only Jesus, that's only for Jesus to do that kind of miracles and stuff. Well, look at Acts 5.16. The disciples, it says, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Jesus was in heaven by then. This is the disciples that followed Jesus. That's why I challenge you this morning as we close. God wants to work through us in supernatural ways. And there is the possibility that you can experience that if you're hungry for it. If you don't have the hunger, have the hunger for it, ask God for that. He wants to work in us and through us at Calvary. We're the only church in this community, other than our Hispanic brothers and sisters, that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit to do healing, miracles, signs, and wonders among us in, in people's lives. Where, where there are people that theologically have room for that, but they don't really believe it, they don't walk in it, but we are a church that does. It's not going to happen unless we move towards God in those areas. And I challenge you to seek God and say, God, why aren't we experiencing what's going on in the book of Acts or more? Because we are to some degree. God wants to move. We are a Pentecostal church because we believe that those things are real and that can happen. So are you ready to pray? Let's close. I encourage you to use your, your worksheet and uh, take that home and use that to pray about these things. Father God, I just thank you so much for the ministry we received last week and that you occasionally bring us and challenge us in. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to respond to you, not just be people who talk, but people who do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond to the things that you've spoken to us, to engage with you and to see those things become realities in our lives as we walk with you about those things. I pray that, Lord, with regarding the, the healings that we've experienced, you'd help us to continue to press in, 
not just for our healing, but to pray and to see others healed too, God. To not be afraid to pray for people, Lord. I thank you for the woman in our congregation that prayed for someone this week that they met in the community and that person experienced healing because our person from Calvary stepped out and said, can I pray for you for healing? Thank you for that testimony and I hope we get to hear it in person in the next week or two. Lord, there were those who were prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would press in on that and that they receive the ability to pray in unknown languages, that they would begin to pray and worship using what you have given them, Lord. And Lord, I pray that if that you would help all of us, God, to engage with you in, your, in the area of compassion and showing mercy and helping those, particularly, it says, first in the household of God and then in our community, to love and care for people in practical ways, whether it's helping them with food and clothing, whether it's helping them with yard work or fixing something that's broken. Help us be a people that really cares and shows it, demonstrates our faith by our works. And we praise you and thank you for this afternoon. Ask you bless those as we have our board meeting next and, and then as we go and pick pumpkins. Bless us and be with us. We just thank you for what you're doing in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.